Magic Politic. I'm Scott Stearns. Yep, this is uh, Paul Sickle. How's it going, Paul? Well, uh, not as well as we'd hoped uh, since <laughs> the last time we talked. Yeah, the last time we talked, it was shortly before the spring elections, and yeah. uh, obviously yeah. there was, uh, there's a lot to talk about there, a lot to uh, digest. It was around the time that the Republicans were getting really good at redacting lines in the Miller report. So the redacted report is due out Thursday of this week, so we'll see uh, yeah. what percentage of the overall report is sharpied away. Yeah, don't don't try to buy sharpies in the <laughs> within the belt line. I'm sure that there's been a run on them. The cost has gone through the roof. Yeah, I think so. Good news is that uh, Malky Brewers uh, are off to a hot start. Uh, Kristen Yelich. Eight home runs overall, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, he's hit three of them tonight well, against uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Very different, though, about this team is they're very much more of a slugfest kind of team. Yes. Compared to last year. They don't have the bullpen. They don't have the bullpen. The starting all. pitching, I think, uh, is the starting rotation is not going to look like it does currently at the end of the season if they're going to make a run. No, no. And I think the starting pitching is basically a work in progress. It's not surprising to me to see them struggle because I don't think they were that good last year either. I think they were just being protected by a very nice bullpen. Yeah, well, was able to give them five innings, then the bullpen would take care of the rest. Well, and you had Peralta tonight, and he's had some good games so far, but he also has those games where he has an inning where he struggles. No. And yeah. that was the case against tonight. They had to bring the bullpen in early and yeah. you know just kind of power through. And obviously, Yelich having seven RBI tonight right. was a big difference in the in the ten to seven victory. Right. I mean, the Brewers last year were an above average pitching team with average offense that got better as Yelich heated up, and they brought in some extra depth down the stretch. And they became a little bit more of an offensive force, even as the Bullpen became even more dominant until they fi- they finally tired out against Los Angeles. Really, at the in the last uh, NLCS this year, it almost looks like the opposite, where it's like a slugfest from the get go with slightly right now below average pitching. Yeah, but it looks like their ticket to the playoffs will generally be average bats. pitching. Yeah, and and a lot of a lot of bats. A lot of offense. So very much like more of a 1982, they, like an 80s Brewers kind of team. Yeah. Well, we'll see what kind of starting pitching they're able to... That's if um, it works, by the way. Yeah, and it may... Right, and it may not. Right. Um, their bullpen should improve. Now, they're getting right. Jeremy Jeffress back now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we'll see how soon he's able to kind of slot back into that closers role because, obviously... Uh, Hater has been filling that role, but they really need him in that setup, uh, le- you know, lefty lefty right. uh, position. Right, uh, he's done very well doing what he's doing, and and if if Jeffress isn't able to get it done in the closes role, obviously he's the heir apparent, right? Because because we have Knable out with Tommy John surgery the rest of the year, so right, right. So, um, but I mean, you know, the the, the roles in the bullpen don't matter that much. Yeah. It's about who can. Pitch. can get it done when. Right, and, and you have enough people that can really get it done. Yeah. And I would argue that if you have Jeffries back with uh, alongside Hayter, you're probably going to have enough juice to sp- stitch it all together. It could be a platoon uh, situation for the closer, at least in the interim. Well, either that or you got a really good setup. And, I, mean, I mean, last year, the whole year was a platoon. That's true. I mean, right through the playoffs. I mean, yeah. Like I said, I don't think the role matters. I think you've got two solid arms back there that mm-hmm. can get you outs when necessary. And I think that you lose that 
being down to just Hader in that role is is what it makes the the thing really precarious. You need another like top notch arm. You need some help. And the question is whether Jeffrey's got or can do it or not. We shall see. Another thing in progress, uh, local sports team wise, is the um, the Milwaukee, oh, actually the, the better local sports team. The Milwaukee Bucks are in the playoffs, at least as of now. And well, best yeah. team in the NBA played the Detroit Pistons in Game One uh, right. yesterday, and just kind of wiped the. They floor looked like a number one seed. Yeah, they, it was dominant. Yeah. It wasn't even close. It was. I mean, it was. One, it looked unfair. It, it, it looked I mean, honestly. And added to that, so the final score was, I mean, one twenty-one to eighty-six. However, I don't think that truly is indicative of how dominant the Bucks well, played yeah, because Giannis only was well, in twenty-four minutes. Right. The last. The, the last half of the fourth quarter. I mean, it was the bench. Yeah, that was, I that think you see Giannis average maybe twenty minutes a game this series. Yeah, we'll if, see, we'll if, see. It, if it goes the way we want it. To. I mean, it's yeah, and they're starting to get healthy again too. I mean, they people forget that towards the end of the season, they were missing right. some key pieces. They they were missing Brogdon, uh, Miritich was out, Gasol is still out. So as they get deeper into the playoffs, they, they're going to get some of these key pieces back, which is only going to improve their situation. I gotta say, I really hope the Pacers. Give the Celtics at least a good series. Yeah. Wear them out a little bit. Right. I, I don't count, believe the Pacers are going to win it, but if they can at least keep it interesting, that'll because we would that'll uh, help the Bucks out a the lot. The Bucks would rather you think face the Pacers, just given that the history during the regular. Well, season. of course, but I don't think they're going to. My point is that if they can slow down the Celtics just a little bit, yeah, make the Celtics take play it to, take six it to seven games, games yeah. seven games, right. Wear them down. I mean, I'd be happy with six. Right. And hopefully the Bucks are down. able to. Hopefully the Bucks are able to get out of this thing in uh, four, four or five, five games right. and and get a few days off right. to to sit back and relax. Yeah. Get healthy again. That's what I'm looking for. We'll see if uh, if that occurs. Uh, let me see when they're next playing here. Well, the Bucks um, play Wednesday. Oh, they're on at the same time. Oh, and then eight p.m. Eastern. Let's so do some uh, channel switching. Channel surfing, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, is this a, the Badger Sport? It's increasingly looking like that. Maybe we yeah, should, after maybe, losing maybe, those elections, it's, well, it yeah, pretty impressive. When you when you have things like the Hagedorn victory, I guess the incentive for us is to kind of spend more time on good news. Right, right. <laughs> so that was a real reality check. I got it. Was, it was. It was. I mean, there's a lot to take away from that. Not much good. We tempered our expectations somewhat, thinking that you know it's not going to be. A we thought the GOP it. would have somewhat of a jacked up base, but we didn't sure, realize, but not to the extent. Yeah. And that's the and that's the problem. So we, I think we, we predicted basically that that the margin was going to be like half what it was in the Dowd election. That yeah. it didn't turn out to be. I think I got I went a little closer. Yeah, um, but it doesn't really matter. It was a six thousand vote margin. Yeah, I was wrong for Hagedorn, and it, out of one point two million votes cast, number very, of votes cast doesn't really surprise me. Very very close. Very very right. close margin of victory for for Hagedorn, but still. Why was it that close, and why didn't uh, she seal the deal? I thought, looking you know, from a bird's eye view, that it would be very close, mm-hmm. and it would be a high turnout. As he got into the cycle, it looked like Hagedorn really was kind of down for the count. Yeah. And it didn't look like he was connecting to his base. It was obvious that he was trying to do that at the end, mm-hmm. but not being the intended target... Of their advertising, I knew they were spending a lot of money in the last week. Obviously, they had spent much. Very targeted to motivate their base to get out there. It you was, saw across the state of Wisconsin that turnout was up. It was up in, in both uh, liberal it was areas just and conservative enough, areas. Just at the right time, it we was had up a, a higher percentage in 
Trump counties, I guess, for right. lack of a better word. And it was up in Milwaukee, but not enough. I wrote in uh, December in a memo, if we had a 586,000 votes, we'd win. We had just 598,000, so we exceeded it uh, and lost. So, yeah. obviously, they, know, they have better analytics, frankly, mm-hmm. when it comes to pulling out tight races, especially with, like, I think with a lower turnout profile, where there's more potential to energize people to vote. Okay. Who don't normally vote in these, like, you know, there were 2.7 million votes cast in the governor's race. Just yeah. Very high turnout on Tuesday, there's 1.2 million cast. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just puts it in perspective. There's sure. so many more people to mobilize. No, absolutely. They're better at connecting with their soft base than we are. Well, that second level of base. Yeah. This was a reaction against a combination of things. Obviously, the November elections statewide did not go in the Republicans' favor for any statewide office. Right, so um, that got them fired up a little bit. It did. And obviously, when Dallas won, that was a reaction against the Same. Trump situation. Right. And mm-hmm. their side increased their turnout at a higher percentage than than our side did. Yeah. And that's, that's really the lesson... I mean, it's pretty depressing to see that we went up by 8%, an 8% higher turnout, yeah. and it wasn't enough, it wasn't because enough. they had we couldn't 25% higher turnout, or no, no, more than that. Among their voters, it was like like 30% higher. But, but what it shows is that a conventional approach to building what passed for a majority in the low turnout Supreme Court election isn't good enough, and it shows that we uh, we have to be thinking outside the box a little bit more than we yeah. do. For instance, I know that we thought on our side that if we brought up the fact that and honed in on being Walker's ex-lawyer or our former lawyer, the hang, um, hang it on being uh, all it would do Walker's is, former former lawyer. Right. All it would do is inflame the passions of the right and get yeah. them out to vote, remind them who to vote for. Well, the thing is, they did that anyway, and saying he's anti-gay did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Even though the polls showed that most people aren't anti-gay, whereas people are more split on Walker. But I think people just got rid of Walker and would have felt more outraged that Walker's trying to like win a third term yeah, by de facto. getting his old lawyer in. That would have been a better... Because that's essentially what was going on. Walker yeah. was trying to win a third term, and he did, yeah. through a judicial election. Yeah, no. he's gone. He has no job, and yet he still gets still to effectively govern. Or having his people hang around, and and Walker was very public in this thing. Oh yeah, no, so he was, this is a big victory for Scott was, Walker. He was out there on Twitter and like trying to compare what was going on with Hagerorn to the Kavanaugh nomination, right. and just trying to drum up the base. So and, I think we would have been better off. I think we would have been better off saying, "Look, if this guy wins." It's like putting Walker back in. Yeah. Once Hagedorn takes office in August, there will be a 5-2 to two conservative majority on the court. I think people will very quickly realize right. the consequences of what's going on, especially when you consider the types of cases that are coming before this court. So the most immediate... Uh, it could be redistricting. It's, um. It could be any number of things. Now, the lame duck uh, laws that the legislature passed once Evers won election... The court agreed today that they were going to take up. Now they're doing it in an expedited fashion, so Which means it will be before Hagedorn's there. It will be before Hagedorn is there. So Ab- it's still four three Republican. Shirley Abramson will be uh, involved mm. in the arguments. Now 
just looking at it from the outside, it looks like it'll be probably a four to three decision unless we think that there is a conservative on the court today that will flip sides and it doesn't really look like there there's a candidate for that. Yeah, I mean, why would anybody? Well, you have Daniel Kelly who's up for the election next year, and what incentive does he have if he if he doesn't want to get primary to to rule against this thing? He could rule against it in an effort to try to look more independent. Right, I think they have a pretty clear idea that next year's election isn't real favorable for them. No, the climate it, doesn't look good. And because the Democrats are going to have a primary, and the well, Republicans <laughs> won't for president on that day. And the results of this election should be a wake-up call to people that don't generally vote in these types of races. Like, hey, right. like, this, is, this is important. So we should be able to probably win, provided we have at all a halfway decent candidate. Well, we'll However, see. if they were to win... Kelly needs to distinguish himself. And what's interesting is that this sets him up with a two-tier option. One, he could decide against the lame duck clause yeah. and show a streak of independence and, kind of, and run on that. Yeah, um, and kind of go the, and do the third way thing. Right. Be like, you know, I am, I am a constructionist, conservative justice. At the same time, I'm not a toady. That could give a lot of Democratic it could. It could. voters pause. Yeah. What's, what's Kelly's history, though? I mean, have, have we well, seen Well, I think he of, might be a so-so candidate. I'm just thinking, like, what is his history in, on these big cases? And has he demonstrated any kind yeah, of independence in the past? I think that, I don't know that he has. Another, another thing, too, though, is if he's afraid of losing. And this is actually what I think is more likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Then the first scenario of going for the moderate is actually he can cast, because they're hightailing the thing through, and Hagenorder won't be there, he can cast the deciding vote yep. in favor of lame duck laws and therefore excite the conservative base and that's at a time when I think that they're dependent on, they would depend on an excited conservative base to somehow equal the Democratic enthusiasm in the primary. And perhaps that actually does set them up better for the fall of 2020 as well. Yeah, possibly. To, to gin up the conservative base. So, and that's probably what's going to really happen, and which would explain why Pat Rogensack put it on the docket. So, to give him a chance the, to, to cast a deciding vote. That's the motivation. That's, yeah. It yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and I think, because otherwise, why not just why slow not walk so, it until Hagedorn's there, and then it's a completely done deal. Yeah. Marquette poll numbers uh, came out last week. Trump's approval rating is up two points in the state of Wisconsin. However, he's still underwater. 46% approved to 52% disapproved, so not looking good And that's for him. still a tick below where he was actually right before the last election when Baldwin was reelected and Evers defeated Walker. Yeah. So he went further down after the election. Now he kind of ticked back up a little bit. And, and obviously still within the margin of error, so right. it's not that much different from the last result. Uh, other things from that poll, 47% approval for Evers, 37% disapprove, 50% don't know. And I thought that was actually a pretty good result. I would think so. Wisconsin's polarized politics. Yeah. The Evers, is, he's had some good news around uh, being able to pull out of the uh, ACA lawsuit. Evers is running a pretty unapologetically progressive administration. However, he has a disarming personality. He does seem to seek to work with all sides. He's very believable in that sense. And that was, there was a really good question, like, do you believe that the Republicans are working to compromise with mm-hmm. Ebers? And 22% said yes, and 56% said no or something. Yeah, it was pretty and lopsided. That was, and that was significantly higher than even at the last poll right after the lame duck session. 
So I think that's pretty good, and it gives Democrats maybe something to look at for the legislative elections. Yeah, or at least painting um, at least painting Robin Voss and Scott Fitzgerald as you know real being, obstructionists, uh, right? And and being disingenuous when they're talking about but oh, I, Evers doesn't talk to us enough. But know? I think Democrats who are concerned about redistricting should think about this when it comes to trying to win the state back with a convention here. I would really look at winning one of the houses back in the. Of the legislature you think, this year, and you think the assembly is the more likely? I do scenario um, than the just, Senate. There's so many seats that Evers ran fairly close in. Okay, I mean he won by one percentage point. Right now he's ten percentage points above water. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but these guys are seen by an overwhelming margin as obstructionists. I think that there's enough seats that he ran fairly close in to get to a majority if you were to win them all. If there's any time for the Democrats to try to win the legislature, it'd be next year. Yeah. Partly because, as we've said many times before, the gerrymander, I mean, it's bad, but it it's based bad. on the last census. Yes. The last census is now 10 years old, mm-hmm. or will be 10 years old by yep. the time that election comes out. And that means that people have moved all over. The other thing from the Marquette poll I will make a note of is Bernie Sanders leads uh, the state of Wisconsin amongst uh, oh, Democratic right. primary voters. Just uh, just making a note of that. Sure, I'm sure. Not, not surprising. I'm being cynical. Why, not surprising. Why, I don't know. I, maybe I'll feel the burn still. Who knows? <laughs> Feeling the boot? Yeah. Yeah. I like Pete Buttigieg, but uh, whether or not it's his time, I don't know. I mean... Very young, you but... Gotta, you gotta be bold, but... I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I really like that guy a lot. Well, I think he's got a lot of buzz behind him. But uh, whether or not it's his year, I guess, uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, you know, but I don't think it's Elizabeth Warren's year. No. no I, don't I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so either. Um, I hate to say it, I don't think Kirsten Gillibrand's year either. No, I don't think so either. There's Kamala the, the, Harris, let's not rule her out. I think Harris is definitely in the top yeah. five. You still have, obviously, the whole Biden decision hanging out there. I don't know that he is going to fade. I don't think he wants his legacy to be all this flack he's gotten. At the same time, I think that the longer this thing goes on, the harder it's going to be for him to get momentum towards uh, getting that nomination. And I don't know. I mean, I I love Joe a lot. I I think he's a great candidate, but... um, I don't know. I think I think this has done some damage, and I don't know that. Yeah, um, he's a fighter, and ultimately, this is not about Joe Biden. No, it's not it's about whether or not he's a that. fighter. It's about whether we're. Um, the one thing I would say too is retreads have generally not done well for either party, especially yeah. the Democratic Party. No, that's a good point. I mean, let's see. We did former Vice President Gore. Mm-hmm. His name is never. Never been President Gore. We had former Vice President Mondale. Yeah. Never been President. Former Vice President Humphrey. This is before my lifetime. Yeah. Never been President. I mean, Nixon got it, but uh, that didn't end well either. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, on the other side, Bush did. Yeah. But even they've had their issues with heir apparents. I mean, Romney was kind of the heir apparent in 12. That yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. Um, Bob Dole was just Bob kind of the Dole next in line. 96. McCain in <laughs> yeah. 08. Yeah. And then look what happens. They go for... Fucking Trump, who nobody seemed to want yeah. in the establishment. Look what happened. They won it. I think a month ago it was, so. it, was it was Joe's race to lose, and now I think it's uh, I think people are starting to look elsewhere. You know, rightly or wrongly, you know, it's not it has nothing, it has nothing to do with how Joe is as a candidate or right. as a person. This is a political question about who's going to be the most formidable candidate, and if Joe's taken out of water, people I think are going to jump shit. I hate to say it for the burn, but. 
a, a lot of people's second choice. If they're Biden people, they're second choice. Well, and you see in Wisconsin where like Biden was way ahead, less mm-hmm. poll. Now more people are feeling the burn. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say this, though. Even though it may not be Biden, I'm not sure I feel the burn either because look at – he's a retread too. The retread rule still, I would argue, applies to him. Sure. I would go back to – he's like a – a failed primary candidate. Yeah. Guess who was our most recent nominee that was a failed primary candidate? Hillary Clinton. Yeah, yeah. She'd failed in 08. Before that, we... Well, Gore had failed in 1988. Having retread candidates, even if they're not former History is not on your side. Not in the Democratic Party. Yeah. The last three Democratic presidents were Obama, well, Clinton, and Carter... And all three of them burst on the yeah. scene in that cycle. Like, okay. had basically were on Nowens before and you're, that, you're, you're that right cycle. to point out at least, that it hasn't worked, at least on the Democratic side, because Reagan was a retread. People forget. Okay, Reagan was. Yeah, the <laughs> so, Republicans tolerate them more. Even, but they, so. even they don't seem to always like... Yeah. It doesn't seem to always work out well for them with the retreads. Yeah. But, um, I mean, even going back to before Carter Kennedy was... a. Uh, First time candidate, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, I mean, you know, LBJ got in. I mean, FDR, first time he sure. had run for vice president before. Well, that'd be maybe the. But you have to go back to FDR. You have to go back to kind of like pre-primary politics, right? <laughs> you know, like back when you know, the smoke-filled room convention halls and stuff. It's different. Point, it's a different era. Going, but even going all the way back there, you don't see in the Democratic side yeah. ever since. Because that's about when the Democrats became the more progressive yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. was around the FDR era, when they started to get more African-American support than Republicans. Democrats tend to do best when they come up with new faces. And, you know? and, and Mayor Pete, mate, you, you know, right. uh, he's, he's definitely one to watch. Uh, he's got a lot of buzz behind him. He's raising some money. I, mean, I right. think he's, uh, yeah, he's, got, he's got some fire behind when him. When you start thinking is... Kennedy, Carter, yeah. Clinton, Obama, yeah. feel the boot. Right. <laughs> Right, like, that that could be. So lots to talk about there. Yeah, I Obviously, think Uncle Rick uh, might have to is still coming up from Florida. He was thinking about driving in tonight. Well, then this, but this, well, we had the he's snow, in his RV. Well, we had the snow yesterday, so I think he might have turned tail and uh, yeah. I think he might. There's some flea markets in southern Indiana. He wanted to hit. Makes sense. Remember how he watches pickers. Yeah, yeah. So there you go, America pickers. Right. Uh, All right. Well, All go right. go Bucks, go Brewers, and forward, folks.